Electricast. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. You know, I just was writing a post for this week's episode because I was going back and I was listening to clips. And the thing that I wrote in my post was, my life is an absolute dream because I get to talk to brilliant women all day, every day. (laughs) And today is no exception. I am really thrilled to welcome Dr. Amanda, who's a mindset healer and manifestation expert for entrepreneurs. And um, Dr. Amanda and I met, well, we connected through LinkedIn and we met last week. uh, And I really appreciated your guidance and wisdom. And so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So welcome to the show. I love that you said that. I feel that same way. I I say to people sometimes, I feel like I have a pinchable life. <laughs> you know, it's just like you, you always go, really? I get paid to do this stuff? This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wake up every morning. And I'm like, yeah, these are all the things I get to do today. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I was having this conversation on the weekend with a, with a friend who we were talking about in our former lives and worlds that Sunday would be such a day of anxiety and Monday it was like, okay, it's Monday. There's only five more days till Friday. And now my perspective is so different. I wake up Monday mornings and I'm like, amazing. It's Monday. Look at all these amazing things I have to do this week. Yes. That's so great. I know. It's so true. I, it's sad to live a life where you can't wait for the weekend and that's your only respite. And I know a lot of people get stuck there and it's, it doesn't have to be that way. And yet I know when you're in it, it feels like there's no way out. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I'm sure we will get, we will circle back around to this concept yeah. <laughs> in our conversation. Uh, but for listeners who've been listening for a while, I'm changing up my first question a little bit. And um, so what I'm going to ask you today is who are you? And how did life introduce you to this version of who you are? I love that so much. First, you know, when you say, who are you? I think this is such a powerful journaling prompt. I often tell people just write, who am I? And then write who you are. The thing that always pops into my mind is a big hearted person. Like I am such a big hearted person. I really deeply care about other people. And, and, and I, I want to say they're suffering. Like, I know what it feels like to be really, really victim minded and powerless and feel like everything's against you and then completely transform and feel like I have a magic wand to have that pinchable life that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, (laughs) life, we could go back all the way to the beginning, right? But we'll we'll start Mm -hmm. with, for me, it was really into entrepreneurship and big, massive changes in who I am as a person today and what I do in the world. It really started with being on the floor crying one night 
So what had happened is that I left my 15 year marriage having an affair. My next relationship wasn't working. So he had moved out and we had this basement that was empty and I had spent the day on Craigslist looking for places to live and I couldn't afford anything. I had my three kids. I'm in grad school. I'm already working two jobs and on food stamps. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be homeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm crying and I'm feeling sorry for myself and I'm scared And I was scanning my history and kind of scanning my reality and looking for someone to help me or someone to blame. And, you know, I thought, you know, as I was scanning the history, I recognized that I was in the center of all of these scenarios. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm the problem. Like, it's me. I'm the problem. And it was a really great recognition because I thought I got to change. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make more money and have better relationships. And so I started listening to podcasts and I listened to them on the go every moment I could double speed, you know, so I'd be walking from a class that I was taking to a class I was teaching and I'd be listening to podcasts, even if I could just get eight minutes in. And then I'd listen while I was doing the dishes or taking my kids to school. And I really started to change how I was thinking and feeling. And at the same time that this happened, the university where I was getting my PhD had this national news fallout. Professors were leaving the department and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be a professor anymore. This looks really stressful. And I thought, you know, all those people who are doing the podcast I'm listening to are these kind of coach type people. And I love to teach. What if I took the leap and decided to do a coaching business instead of going into academia? And so, you know, really started to think about it and I just loved teaching. So I thought I'm going to do it. And so that first year that I graduated, I took the leap. I went into entrepreneurship and I went from food stamps to six figures in my business. And that was really the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And it was, yeah, it's been so many, so many things since. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely a lot of intersections in our story, which I think is fascinating. And I think it's true of many female entrepreneurs in particular. I'm sure I'm sure men and anyone on the gender spectrum also has, but from my lived reality and experience, I mostly talk with women and their stories all have this breaking point where they were living, they were living the life that they thought that they were supposed to live. Yeah. And then an event occurs and the lights come on and the curtain comes up and you realize I can't keep living this way anymore. And that seems to be, and that's why I loved when I, when you first answered the question, who am I? You said, I'm a big hearted person. And I loved that that was your first response to it because I feel like people who are doing this work are that are big hearted people who see that there's another way to live in the world and are trying to make that way easier for other people. And that you answered that question from a heart space also, because some of the work I do with people is helping them separate out, like, who are you actually from the roles that you play? Mm -hmm. And you didn't lead with a role. You led with a heart space answer. Yeah. You know, I will say that's something that's been a journey to connect with. I think, you know, just like you're saying, it's like that breaking point. We go through so many things in our lives as as women, as men, as people, as humans. Yeah. (laughs) And it, you close your heart down in a lot of ways. And so it's been, you know, when I do the type of work I do similar to what you do, transformational work with people, you know, it's like, 
uh, you uncover all of the layers of crap that you have put on yourself to protect yourself from getting hurt. And realistically, yes. I think we're all big hearted people. And, you know, it's that thing that when I say that about myself and I sit with myself as like a little kid and I think back to my inner child self, I'm like, oh, she's just a big hearted person. I mean, it makes my eyes fill up with tears when I think about her, you know, I'm like, oh, she's just a big hearted person who went through a lot and put on a lot of masks to figure out how to make it through. And, you know, it's like, because of, you know, I teach law of attraction, when you have those beliefs of, in yourself that you're not enough, and you start to shut down, and you start to hide who you are, you attract your outer world reality to prove to you that that's true, you're not enough. And you, uh -huh. you know, you don't like who you are. So you attract things to show you that you're not enough. And I did that a lot in my life until I started to figure out how to transform. And now it's like, oh, it's so it's such a gift to be able to let that big hearted person out into the world and not hide her. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I feel like in so many instances, that is the road that people are walking is that it's why I named my business way, what I named it, <laughs> finding your way home, because yeah. it's all about coming back to who you have always known to be your true, the true essence of who you are. Okay. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought up the being enough. So I made a post about this yesterday because so two days in a row, women who I really respect showed up in my world and said, I am not enough. And I was like, hope, but, but it was different. So the first one is another business mentor of mine. And she said, I am not enough to do all the things I want to do in my business. And I was like, Right. Which is very different from like, I, as a human, I'm not enough. Yeah. It just was saying, you know, there are things that I love doing in the, in this business and there are things that I don't. And I love to be able to break because I'm not, I'm actually not enough to do all those things. And I was like, right. And then yesterday I was listening to the, we can do hard things podcast uh -huh. and they had um, Nadia Boltz Weber on. And she said this, she said, actually, I'm not enough. And it freaks me out to think that I have to be enough for everything. So it uh, like lit up this space in me of like, Oh, God, am I wrong? Have I have been saying the wrong things? That was my first go to. And then I thought, No, I can just sit with this for a minute. And what ended up feeling good for me was in my humanity in myself, I am enough for me. Yeah. But I am not always enough for all of the roles and responsibilities that I have to play out in the world. And that's where I need community. And that's where we are better together than individually. And I'm wondering what you're like, what's coming up for you? Yeah, that's so fascinating because it's so many things. It, it's interesting to me. I think it's so important what you say after the words I am that I would not want to have people saying I'm not enough. I don't think that's a great message to send to yourself. I get the reframes they're saying or what they're, what they're meaning is that I choose to not fulfill everyone's desires of me. I choose yeah. to not have to be what you want me to be. I am enough for me and I choose to live with my power and I choose to live in an aligned way with myself. And and then the rest, like, I mean, am I allowed to swear on here? Yes. <laughs> like, and the rest, I just feel like, go fuck yourself if you don't like it. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. And in a nice way, it would be, hey, we're not aligned. We're not resonant. And Mm -hmm. so like if you expect something of me and it's beyond what I'm willing to give of myself, then there's a mismatch and it's disharmonious. Mm -hmm. So it's boundaries. It's And in that, it's because you love yourself enough to set boundaries. So to me, it's about it's a lot about boundary work. You know, when you aren't when you think you're not enough, you overgive. And when you think you're not enough, you try to prove yourself. And when you think you're not enough, you take on too much to show that you're capable of everything. It's an imposter syndrome problem. And so, you know, I really like to help people play with, you know, how can you own your power? You know, it's my company, Inner Power Daily. It's like, how do you own your power and know that you're absolutely enough and that you're the creator of your reality? And if you are getting a mere reflection back to of people saying you're not enough and you're feeling drained and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling a lack of energy, there's something stuck in you that thinks you've got to prove that you can do it all. And the doing it all is a choice. What is it you're choosing to do? is, is the thought, you know, is, is the reframe or the recognition point. Yeah, that's really, that's really powerful. Um, the way you framed, I'm, I'm really careful about what you put after I am. I think that is really, really important because it is, it is the statement that we are making. It's like the commitment that we're making to ourselves and to how we are going to care for ourselves and how we're going to allow ourselves to be cared for in this, in the same breath. and. Also, where you were shining that light on the imposter syndrome and feeling like you have to show up mm-hmm. in all ways for all people all the time, that constant proving of ourselves, that is such a strong narrative, particularly for humans from uh, we're a similar generation, from our generation, right? It was always that you always had to continually prove. So when you're working with people, how do you start them to unwind that narrative? Yeah, it's so important. You know, it's interesting because I've worked my, my PhD is sociology with a focus on women and gender studies. So I spent a lot of time focusing on gender and power and marginalization. And then I worked with men, incarcerated men. And I had this idea that men are just all powerful and that they always feel that way. And it was wild to work with men in the prison system and then work with men. I, when I started my business, I started working with a lot of men. And it was mind blowing to me to see that they struggle with this too. Imposter syndrome. I was like, oh my God, I just thought all men were like confident and had it together and had all the answers. You know, it was, it was very wild for me. I grew up in a fundamentalist Christian family and it really framed my thinking around men and, and power and women and disempowerment and subordination. And so it was like, you know, I think all people struggle with this. I actually think that not enoughness is the number one thing that every person struggles with. And if they really get honest with themselves, it's like, oh, there's not enough time. There's not enough of me to go around. I'm not enough. There's never going to be enough money. There's not going to be enough business. I'm not going to be a good enough parent. I'm not aging right, which is not enoughness. I mean, you could just go down the list and go down the list. And it really goes back to this core place of imposter syndrome, lack of confidence, lack of self-love, forgetting who you are. And it's wild. And so, you know, when people come to work with me, (laughs) it's, it's interesting because, you know, they come to work with me to build their businesses more quickly and more easily. And realistically, they're coming to me for spiritual evolution because building your business is a spiritual evolutionary path. So, you know, that piece you're talking about, it, it starts for me with where they're at. 
Some people are ready and receptive and they can dig deep fast. And other people, I got to walk them down the process a little bit because they might, they wouldn't be attracted to me if they weren't ready for it. And they wouldn't, you know, like there are people come to me and we just don't end up working together because they might not be ready for it. If they're ready for it, let's say they don't know anything about the type of stuff that I do. They're ready for it because they found me. And so, you know, it's this place of me meeting them with where they're at and following my intuition to know that. And so, you know, I, when you ask that question, you know, it's like working with people who think they need to continually prove themselves. It's a multi-layered, multi-faceted issue that really goes back to your, your belief system that got programmed into you when you were a little kid. And that's mm -hmm. not to blame anyone in your life. It's just yeah. what they were programmed with too. And they taught it to you. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to some of that and really releasing it from your energetic system and, and your subconscious mind. So I do subconscious reprogramming with people because you're holding your beliefs and your feelings in your subconscious mind and in your body. And so once you start to tap into shifting and transforming that, then you can start to let go of this belief that I'm not enough. Yeah. And that is so, it is such personal work, right? And it's part of why sometimes I feel like I have a hard time talking about what I do because it is so, <laughs> it's so personal to every person who's in front of me because everyone's lived reality is so different. You know, when you were talking about, working with men and what your experiences had been and your preconceptions. I was like, funny, I had a totally different reality when I was younger. So I was around men and boys who were really heart forward and uh -huh. really beautifully vulnerable. And most, some of my, most of my closest friends actually were, were male at that time. And they were creative and they were gentle and they were <laughs> um, sort of like all of these archetypes. And it was the, it was the nineties and Lilith fair and that, like that whole space. So when I ended up getting into a place where I started experiencing men that are more like what you were describing, I was like, what the actual fuck? This is not what I understood. So I, and I am beginning to understand it as my privilege now that because of the spaces I happened to occupy because of the places I happened to be born into and the skin I happened to be born into, that was a very privileged experience. And so when I came up against the patriarchy, it was an incredibly sh like shocking experience for me that I am, that I continue to unwind in myself and in my business. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's such a yeah. beautiful example right there where it's like two different people have two very different experiences and it shapes your reality in your adult life, you know? Yeah. And you go, Oh, huh. Like it, it's how we see money, money from different angles, gender from different angles, power from different angles, empowerment, our, our construction of self, like all of those things, you know? So it's like you become what you experienced as a child and programmed into yourself in these paradigm ways to believe and then just keep recreating it until you decide to get conscious. My favorite quote that's like my whole business is built upon started with Carl Jung. And it was, you know, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And it's yes. like, that's it right there. It's what you were taught to believe. And then you start looking to it. And then when you see conflict in it, like you did, where you're like, wait a second, this is not what I thought, you know, was going on in the world. <laughs> and yeah. it causes you to question yourself and things in life. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it causes big questions. And it was, I think it's part of where the genesis of my not enoughness started to come from. Because when I think to the space, I remember being most in my body and mo feeling like grounded. This is who I am. I was 16 and 17 years old. And it was just after that time that I was faced with that first experience of someone using their maleness to try to intimidate me or to make a space where I didn't feel comfortable. And I didn't have the skills mm -hmm. for how to manage for how to for how to feel like yeah. I just remember going into full red brain around it where I was like I that it was one of the first times I really left my body and was just like I, I don't know what's going on here and I'm out yeah it's yes it, yeah I hear you <laughs> for me it started a lot younger so it yeah. was like you know I, I I have a sexual abuse history that started at 10 so it was mm -hmm. like men in my life or boys in my life it was like a very it, like between the mix of religion and that experience, it was like, I'm small and powerless and men whole, I mean, just, it just, this was shown in my life so much. And it was wild because, you know, it's like, I love my dad. He's like a, a, a beacon of power to me as a kid. He was like my hero, you know, my, my brother, not so much. And it was like, but I saw this constant, like women aren't supposed to have power and men are men are in control and in charge was really how it was, you know, like, and you don't really have a say was how it got coded for me. And mm -hmm. so, wow, it's been such a journey to go through that, you know, and have a 15 year marriage and have three kids with him and then have a lot of that mapped into that relationship and then break free from all of it through an affair. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like yeah. the only way at the time I knew how to break out of something and yeah. then go, ah, now, what do I get to recreate and reconstruct and then go back and like love the people in my life, all of them, every experience to know that it brought me to who I am today. And I love my life. I love who I am. And I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't had all those experiences. And yeah. so I don't look back at my life and go, I wish that hadn't happened or poor me. I go, thank you, angels, whatever it is, spirit, God, mm -hmm. intellectual you know, like, or, it, I, you know, like I think of God as grand organized design. So it's like, mm -hmm. Grand organized design helped me form into who I am today. And I love that person. So thank you. you know, yeah, that's really beautiful. And I like that description of grand organized design. Yeah. I, to me, it, it just always comes through as source, as energy, as creation. Yeah. But I love the grand organized design. The visual that comes in my head with that is really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, that was an interesting one for me because I had such an opposition to religion for so long because of the way I was raised. And I just uh -huh. like went far away from religion and was like, I'd have like a visceral negative response when I was around religious people. And uh -huh. I just had, it was really intense for me. And then I had this like kind of spiritual reawakening when I started doing this type of work. And it was like, oh my God, I missed my spirituality. I just can't mask it in like a patriarch. For me personally, I can't mask mm -hmm. it in a patriarchal God who's punishing me. Like it didn't work for me. And so I thought like, I got to reframe this. And so, you know, I love that concept of just, it, I like source as well. You know, it's like cosmic source and energy and those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just really feels, I remember, so I had worked at um, a church camp 
it's the Genesis story of my family anyway. <laughs> I'll spare you all the details, but um, it was an Anglican camp. So it was not, there's not fundamentalism in that, right? It's kind of like the looser end of, of Christianity. Yeah. And the director of that camp said to me one time, I can't remember why we were having this this discussion, but we were talking about the um, Christmas story and the birth of Jesus. And she said, well, Lisa, every, every good story needs some mystery. And it was like the first time someone had pulled back the curtain for me, like someone who was a religious leader who was saying, there's not just one way of looking yeah. <laughs> at the yeah. story and that humans wrote it, right? Like, whether you believe there's historical grounding or not, they're humans wrote the story. And so they're going to weave into it everything we know that makes a good story that engages people. And it was that, it was her seed of that, that really started me to think in a really different way around this, what role this played in my life. Because I too, like even to this day, when I go into a church or I say the words, there is this deep, um, like it's like grounding, it's muscle memory that happens. It's, mm -hmm. There's soothing in just that being in my body. but I use like I experience it in such a different way now than I did when I was going yeah. to church. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like I go to church every day now. <laughs> but yeah. it's like it's like my church. You know? <laughs> I had a for a while when I started my business, I had a community called Mindset Church. It was mm -hmm. so interesting. You know, it was like that's I was like, yeah, I I love a collectivity of people getting together along the same belief system and learning mm -hmm. and growing, you know, supporting each other and growing together. And it's like, oh, that's such a beautiful thing. It is beautiful and it's really important. And I was because I'm because I'm a podcaster, I also ingest insane amounts of podcast content. So I'm not going to get the where this came from. But one of the conversations I was recently listening to, actually, I think it was Trevor Noah. On uh, it was just recently on Armchair Expert. Pretty sure that's where they were talking about because we have fallen away so much as a society from the foundational structure of church, mm -hmm. we've lost how to come together in community mm -hmm. and how to have shared experiences. Yeah. And that's such an integral part of our, how our society functions is being able to come together around common experiences. Yeah. And that it, it's interesting, right? When you start thinking about that, the way we are, we are seeing that play out in the fractiousness of yeah. how we exist now. So true. It's been so intriguing to me in my group when I ask people what they get out of it the most, like one of the most common thread things that they say is community. You know, yeah. they're like, they look forward to it. It's like, it's like your home family. It's like, it reminds me of church. You know, it's like you come yeah. together every week and you hang out together. You get to know each other. You cheer each other on. You're there for each other through the hard things. And you have some sort of central reason that you're there, which is building a business in my group. But it's like real, it's also really, it's like like minds coming together to grow and know each other because we miss that, especially as entrepreneurs. Like yeah. we don't, we can hang out in our house by ourselves, like siloed completely. And, and it's not, I don't think it's healthy for us. 
No. <laughs> yeah. Getting out and actually being a digital connection is important. Yeah. It, it fills those gaps when we can't get them, but also physically getting out and being outside of our homes and with other actual physical human beings yeah. is really, really important. We are, I was yeah. just having this conversation on Monday with two other female entrepreneurs who are in my world and they came over because they're thinking about starting a podcast. So I was helping them with some things. And she's like, you know, I was, I was going to say, let's just do this on Zoom, but I'm really glad yeah. <laughs> that we actually got together in person because there is something that cannot be, it's that energy component mm. that we feel when we are physically together that just doesn't quite transmit across the digital divide. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say it because I'm like I'm thinking like my group is digital and we haven't most of us haven't met in person yet and I'm like I can't wait for that you know right? because it'll be like we know each other very well we see each other twice a week online you know and it's like and when you get together in life it's like exactly like you're seeing that energy exchange even just a hug you know like yeah. I'm a big hugger and I'm like oh, I can't wait to hug me people <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's it is. Something different. I um in my local area, I just joined two networking groups in the last year because of that reason. I'm like, I I I, I hang out with a lot of people online all over the world, and it's like, huh, I want some interaction in person. <laughs> it yeah. is. It's interesting to me how important it is. I, I think it's such a gift. Everything has benefits and drawbacks, you know. And so I, I look at the online world like, wow, you can have a global connection with a big community. And it's amazing that we have that opportunity. And the drawback is like, it isn't in person and, and it's a different experience, you know? And so it's yeah. like, it's interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, not kind of, it's new for us as a species. Yeah. Right? To have this opportunity of global connection where you are creating real, true and authentic relationships. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that, that is happening. We're communicating. We are having deep conversations. And yet there's that, there's that part. And then we're also navigating the humanness of, I don't want to use the word real because the digital uh, conversations are also real and true. Yeah. So, but the physical, I guess, yeah. like the tangible and navigating and holding both of those things and knowing that there is value in both because in our mm -hmm. humanness, a lot of the time, what we want to do is say that one is more valuable than the other. Yeah. 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 And it can be both. It can be that they're both valuable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Are both valuable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering when you were taught, when you were earlier in the conversation, we were talking about um, the way you had initially conceptualized maleness and men and the way they showed up in your lives. Are there ever people who show up like that in your world, like in your business world now, are there potential clients who come in that way? Or do you find that the way that you're attracting people, it doesn't happen? Oh yeah. It doesn't happen anymore at all. Yeah. I've changed so much that it was wild when I started doing this work and started even going back into dating world. And now I'm happily married. Like the people that I attracted completely different. And, and what that is, is that when you change at a subconscious level, you change your vibrational frequency, you change what you think and what you feel, and then you attract different things into your life. It's funny. I've been on podcasts before where they've asked like, well, what do you do with clients who don't want to do, who like don't want to do anything or they're not willing to accept where they're at. I'm like, I just don't attract those people. Like I don't have that issue because I, 
it's not who I am. And they're, when people come to me, they're like resonating with me on a level where they're ready. They want the answers and they're ready to implement, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's interesting where I, I go like, huh, you know, what I would do with that person is go like, I, I can't, I can't fix you. I'm, I don't have the magic wand for you. You are the magic wand for yourself. I can give you some roadmap and some tips and some strategies. I can help you realign your energy, but you've got to choose to be ready and do it. You, you've yes. got to get into action. Like I'm not, I ha it's interesting every once in a while, I'll have someone who comes into my daily community that I'm, I don't have as much interaction in and they'll be like, you know, help me fix me. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. You, yeah. so, you know, I, I don't know how much you've followed me or know of me, but it's like my, my overarching theme is that you are the, your outer world's a reflection of your inner world. If you don't like what you're getting on the outside, change what's within. And so the whole thing is about inner power. It's about changing what's within because you're, you're manifesting your outer reality through who you are inside your state of being, your energetic alignment, your feelings, your thoughts. So in order for you to get a different outer world reality, you've got to change what's within. So everything starts with you. It starts with how you feel, what you think, your rep your like daily repetitions that you do, the habits that you have, those repetitive thoughts, that's what's creating your outer world reality. And so most entrepreneurs really struggle or just say people in general struggle with change because they think, oh, something outside of me has the magic formula or the magic pill. And it's you yes. that is the magic formula and the magic pill. You've got to change. And, and that is liberating and terrifying for people. The yes. liberation is like, oh, I can control it. I can choose to be the creator of my reality. The terror is, oh, I've been stuck in a victim mindset, blaming everything and everyone one outside of me for the reality I'm getting. So if you're stuck in that victim minded mentality where it's this person's fault, it's, it's, you know, COVID it's, it's people, it's events, it's whatever. And you don't want to take radical responsibility for yourself. Then law of attraction sucks. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that concept of radical responsibility for yourself is so key, right? Because we're not, our culture doesn't really set us up for that. Our, most of the stories teach us to direct everything outward, right? Yeah. Where when we know the truth is, it is inward. And that when you brought forward that question of like, you please fix me. I was like, yeah. No, that's not like, if you are feeling that there is other work that you need to do before you, before you dive into, before you dive into this work, because yeah, no one yeah. can fix you. Yeah. And the place where I, and I'm hoping you can help me with this. The place where I always find tension in this is for humans who live in marginalized spaces and their realities are already harder mm -hmm. than, than the power holders in their space. Yeah. How do we, how do we manage the conversation in, in those spaces? Because that is where my cognitive dissonance always, always starts yeah. to figure up a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the point I think where everyone gets stuck where they're like, but why did those people choose that reality for themselves? You know, the way that I look at it as a very big cosmic picture is that there are collective consciousness in communities, right? So you get attracted to certain collective consciousness in the community and there are people who break out of it and it's always still going to start with choice. I think of it as like, we're all dropped on the mountain at different places. Like everyone has a chance to get to the top, but we're all dropped at different places. I mean, I'm a first gen college student, like 
I have lots of marginalization and in PhD world, uh, I studied marginalization for years, mm-hmm. which is yeah. wild because what you focus on expands. And in sociological studies, you tend to focus on all the problems instead of the solutions. So you think you're focusing on the problems to get to the solution, but what all you're doing is studying victimization, marginalization, subordination, and you keep recreating it. And so, you know, you, the way I think about it is that, you know, it's not some, it's not always about an individual experience, especially, you know, when you say humans who live in marginalized spaces, that tends to be in a collectivity. So it's Mm -hmm. not just that individual's way of thinking and being, it's that that whole collectivity has a vibrational frequency to it. I'm not certain what I believe, like, I don't know the answer in terms of how did we get here? I think that we come, we choose our parents on a vibrational frequency level. So when you come into your body, into your soul, into your being, you know, it's like you have some sort of match with the parents you chose. And then from there, it's your choice to go what ways that you get to go. And so you think about the stories of people breaking out of these really awful situations and they become often like beacons of light for the rest of the world. And so it always comes back to individual choice. And, and that's, that's hard. You know, it's like, I think, especially, I know, you know, I'm Native American and I'm, you know, I have a white father and right now a white husband. And it's like, I, I, I think that people can get, they get freaked out about their privilege, you know, Mm -hmm. and they go like, well, I, then they've got a, they get a savior complex. And in reality, every person needs to save themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what color you are, what race, class, gender you are, you got to save yourself. And so, you know, and I can say that because I have done that for myself and I've come from marginalization in many ways. And so, you know, it's like having intergenerational transmission of trauma and genocide in in my history and all the things, you know, and it's like, Uh if I keep recreating that story, I'm going to keep recreating that I'm a victim and I don't choose that anymore. And so it comes down to that place of like, okay, let's say that you're, you are a person who's feels bad about your privilege, then okay, how about you get very empowered within yourself and make as much money as you possibly can, because that's your responsibility. If you have that privilege and you don't use it, you are actually being a disservicing human to the planet. And so if you've been given that privilege, go help. Make as money as you can and make the biggest impact that you can. And then start helping the people to learn how to empower themselves, the marginalized populations. You know, so it's like, I think we also just have the savior complex in general. You know, yeah. where especially America, you know, U.S. Americans tend to think like everyone else in other com- in other countries who are marginalized are unhappy. And studies show that that's not even true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we just make up stories <laughs> and it gives people a cause like I've got to go save these people because I feel guilty and bad. And guilt mm-hmm. creates weird things. Guilt and shame are the two lowest vibrational frequencies. So when you're doing yeah. things out of guilt, you're just recreating more of it. Yeah. And that, I, I just want to, can you just say that one more time? Because I think <laughs> that that is something that we need to hear more than once, right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, so I think about this way, like on a vibrational scale, guilt and shame, uh-huh. lowest frequencies. Yes. And usually what you're doing when you're trying to quote unquote, save someone is it's driven out of guilt because you feel bad about your privilege. Mm-hmm. All that does is recreate it in the world. Yeah. So it's really important for you to go like, Hey, how can I get empowered and come from a place of love and a place of joy and a place of inspiration and 
and realistically save myself because just because you have privilege doesn't mean that you're better than the person who's marginalized or that anything in your life is better. It's all a unique individual soul code and experience. And so your judgment and projection of needing to help poor people is just as bad as judging rich people or feeling wealth shame. Right. And so it all shows up in these wild money blocks and it's really turn the mirror back on yourself and think, okay, what do I need to see in myself that I'm projecting outward onto someone else and thinking if I save them, I'll save myself. And that can never work. It can, it can never work. And when we do that, we are standing in the way of someone else's story, right? And we feel like we have to go in there and save the day. And it's really, we're, we are projecting outward thinking that we're making a difference. We're, we're doing this, (laughs) but really it's like, and then people will see me as yes. And that's how, you know, oh, this is not at all about anyone but you, because really your, your motivation for these, as much as we feel like, no, it's, it's my deep internal need to save someone. Yeah. It's about how external is going to see you as being the savior and the gratitude of those people towards you so that you feel like you have value because you haven't come to a place where you know that you have your own deep value and worthiness. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I so agree. <laughs> and <laughs> you're so right. And it, it's weird because it gets masked as like, you're a great person for doing all of this. And it's wild when you start to really know energy dynamics and you see why people behave the way that they do. You're like, there's just so much more to this picture. (laughs) And, and not in a, you know, in a judgmental place, you let go of the judgment and you just go like, oh, everyone's on their journey trying to figure it out. You know, like they really are. They're not doing a bad thing by helping others. Yet they might be because just like you said, you're robbing that other human of their dignity, their empowerment. You're taking away their chance. I see like a a smaller example, a more micro example of this would be like the way parents helicopter their kids, like helicopter parenting, right? We're like, Mm -hmm. I'll keep you from all harm and all danger. And then they don't know how to be independent, like empowered kids. Absolutely. And I talk about that a lot in my work because as both a parent and an educator and a human who's worked with children from the time I was a child, yeah, uh, that's, that is exactly, I am very grateful to my parents in that, and I was an only child. And so my story could have been very different, but they really trusted me. They trusted me in my humanity to live my story. Mm-hmm. And they, they stood out of the way. My mom in particular, I always knew she was a space I could go back to when things were hard and that there would be a loving, supportive person to hold me in that. But she let me have the hard experiences. She mm-hmm. didn't try to protect me from them. And it was Gabor Mate. I heard him say it so beautifully just recently around. It's not our job to protect our children from everything. It is our job to love them through everything. Well, I love that. And love is the mixture of challenge and support. Yes. It's not just support. That's no. coddling. It's not yes. just challenge. That's berating right? It needs to be a mix of the two. So it's wild, you know, like tying it to the big picture again. It's like when you over quote unquote parent someone, it's patronizing. Even for us to say that there are marginalized populations is patronizing. 
that label is saying you're less than me. Who's on in terms of whose scale, right? Like we, this is all made up, (laughs) you know? So it's like, it's wild. And yeah, just like you're saying with our kids, it's like, it's, it's love is praise and reprimand challenge and support. It's not one or the other. It's both. And I think that again, parents get freaked out because they're like, my kid's not going to look good in the world and it's going to reflect badly on me over coddle. And in reality, that causes their kids to be very dependent and needy and not know their way. And they don't know how to find themselves. We need to be challenged in order to grow. Yes. And that was, that was the other side of that coin with my mom in that she definitely held me accountable. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, there's, they're like all parent relationships, especially mother daughter. It was, it's complicated, but she absolutely held me responsible. And I saw how important that was for my own journey. And like you were saying, when, it's that reflection back on me. So if my child doesn't look perfect, it doesn't look good on me. So it's actually, I always, I, I, I'm working on couching things, but I will say to clients before I say this out loud, this might feel prickly when I say it. <laughs> but when you're doing that, it actually has nothing to do with your child and it has everything to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and usually the response is like, Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, uh, but it is especially in this world we live in, where the the creation of an absolutely perfect childhood seems to be the thing that parents are chasing, yeah. and that is upheld as the standard in the media. And <laughs> it's what it, it's what makes me laugh so much about all of the content creators out there who are doing the Gen Xing. like you know drinking from the hose and being out past do you know where your children are like all of those things there's intergenerational learning to be had yeah where it was the way we grew up perfect no it wasn't perfect yeah um and that and that that's okay then not it's that in the not perfect that that's where the learning is and that's where you find yourself yeah It's so true. And there is no such thing as, you know, the perfect childhood or or even better said, it's absolutely perfect the way it is. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you really abide by, for me, which I do law of attraction principles, you are getting exactly what you need to get in order to spiritually evolve. And you are getting what you get based on what you are committed to getting consciously and unconsciously. And so, yes. you know, it's like, if you think, if you know that the universe has your back and you, that, that the grand organized design is helping you spiritually evolve, then every single thing is perfect just as it is. And if yeah. we could actually sit and accept that and surrender to it and be open to it, everything would be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that is a beautiful place to leave this conversation because it's something that needs to settle into into someone's body that idea of this is exactly how it's meant to be and if I can just surrender to it and knowing that surrender does not mean giving up surrender means letting go and knowing that you are actually not in this alone yeah 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 thank you so much for this conversation today yeah so good so juicy yeah awesome thank you
Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production.